The Montgomery Advertiser, under one name or another, has been telling the stories of Montgomery for over 190 years. I know, partly because I used to work here, that which stories get told and how they're told is part of the story. And sometimes, how people respond to the news is a bigger story than the news itself. In chapters 8 and 9 of his Gospel, Matthew is reporting the stories of Jesus' healing and miracles, and he's arranged 10 stories into a section together. The first one we read is in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the man was cleansed of his leprosy. So right off the bat, we're focused on Jesus' willingness, his desire to heal, uh, even to the point of touching someone who would have been considered very unclean. And this theme continues as Jesus heals the servant of a Roman centurion and then cures Peter's mother-in-law from a fever. Matthew pauses in chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 to give a prophetic reason behind these healings. We read, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Jesus then shows his power over nature by calming a storm. He shows his power over the forces of darkness by setting two violently demon-possessed men free. He shows his authority over sin by both healing and forgiving a paralyzed man. He even has power over death as he raises a 12-year-old girl back to life, even as he heals a woman who's had a bleeding condition for 12 years herself. Matthew wraps up with more stories of healing. Two blind men who can now see and a deaf mute man who can now hear and speak. Along the way, Jesus is still preaching the kingdom and calling disciples to follow him and recognizing those who respond with faith. In Matthew 9, verse 8, as well as 33 and 34, we get a summary of the way people responded to all these miracles. It says, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. 10 amazing news stories, two very different responses. It's evident that the kingdom Jesus is proclaiming is about more than just words. It has power, power that comes as good news to some people and bad news to others. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. And I also want to say thank you. Um, it, two buildings away from here, and also we have three booths in here, two buildings away from here, we have a team of people who are working to uh, make this service happen. Things don't just magically appear on the screen. And we had a computer crash, and they have scrambled to make it all work. So can we give them a big hand? I'm so thankful for them. Yeah. Anybody want to give to the computer fund, just let me know. Uh, also, I want to say uh, thank you so much to Jared and the PVs and Sally and everyone this morning, Kelly, uh, for leading us in worship. They're doing a beautiful job throughout these days, and so thank you so much, Jared and them. Yeah. 
want to echo what Ken said earlier. If you haven't seen our missions wall yet, please uh, walk out into the atrium and see that. Our mission partners are all around the world, both here locally and around the world, and, and COVID has hit them too. Uh, but they've made adjustments, and they are doing wonderful, wonderful work, and we, would just, we want to pray for them. That's why you can take a prayer card. And also, if you see Cody or Elizabeth around, uh, give them a big high five. They've been doing a fantastic job making sure our missions department is still fully functioning and in functioning in powerful ways. I want to say hello to all of you who are watching online, on television. Thank you so much for joining in with us, whatever platform you're doing that on. For those of you who are in the room, would you please give a big hand to our online television audience? We love you and we're praying for you. Also, as we go throughout this series, as you know, many of you know, we are praying for another church in the River Region. We want to make sure that we have a big kingdom mindset as we go throughout this series, preaching thy kingdom come. And so today we're going to pray for Church of the Highlands, the Montgomery campus, and the Montgomery campus pastor is Chris Irwin. And so we want to lift them up, pray God's blessings on them as we pray for ourselves. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much this morning because you are doing amazing things. We thank you for your presence that's in this room right now. We thank you for your presence that's with each and every person who's joining us online and on television. Lord, we pray your blessings on them. We love them. Would you keep them safe? Lord, we also lift up Church of the Highlands, their Montgomery campus here. Lord, we pray your blessings on them and their membership. Lord, we pray for their pastor, Chris Irwin. Pray you protect him and his family and inspire his mind as he leads in these difficult days. And Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come right here in this place, just as it is in heaven. Let it be so in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Today, we're going to learn what it takes to really follow Jesus? That's one of the questions that we all ask. We ask it in different ways, but it's a very relevant question. We say, what does it really take to follow Jesus? In Matthew chapter eight and nine, uh, as reflected in our scripture reading video, we see that Jesus is doing miracle after miracle. He's touching people's lives. He's healing people. He's doing amazing, amazing things. But throughout all of these miracles that's taking place, Jesus pauses four times and he tells us what it really takes to follow him. What it really takes to follow him. You know, sometimes God uses a tragedy, something negative in our life, and he doesn't cause the tragedy, but he can use it to get our attention. Sometimes God uses miracles to get our attention. And when God is on the move around us and we see him uh, uh, doing healings and miracles, which we believe in, we believe, we pray for them every week, it's an opportunity for God to get our attention, for him to teach us what it really means to follow him. One of the greatest miracles of all is, is a baby being born. If you think about everything that has to happen from conception to delivery to living life on this planet, it's an absolute miracle. And if you don't think it is, just talk to someone who struggled with getting pregnant before. Uh, even right now, Emily and I are praying for a dear friend of hers. This is their prayer. They want to have a child, and they've been unable to. And we're praying for that miracle because it truly is. It truly is. And you know, you know that in particular if you've ever lost a child as well. But not only that, God does miracles all the time around us. We just have to have eyes to see them. Something like a baby being born. Something like someone being spiritually born. And we see the change in their life. Or we get a diagnosis and God brings us through that and he brings healing in that. And all of these serve for a way 
for God to get our attention as he teaches us what it really takes to follow him. And so there are four lessons here I want to point out. The first one is this. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is only sinners can follow Jesus. Only sinners can follow Jesus. So I say that to say, congratulations. You qualify. (laughs) In fact, you married a sinner, and she married a bigger one. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Whoa, that was a strong amen. Yeah, there was a lot of enthusiasm behind that one. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, it says... As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. This is the same Matthew who wrote this gospel that we're studying. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Jesus walks up, this tax collector of all people, someone who would have been an outcast in his society, follow me, he says. And Matthew got up and followed him. Notice the urgency there. We're going to come back to that. But the story goes on, verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Verse 11 says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, notice that, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Notice what the Pharisees do. They have an issue with Jesus, but... When you're unhealthy, whether you're religious or not, unhealthy people, they don't go to the person that they have an issue with, do they? No, they don't. They they like to talk behind their back. So the Pharisees, they won't go to Jesus. No, they go to his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Problem is, verse 12, Jesus hears this. It says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You might want to underline that phrase. We're going to look at that phrase in depth in two weeks. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, for those who think they're righteous. But I've come for sinners, he says. Those who know they're a sinner. Now, right here, Jesus is telling them and he's telling us, Only sinners can really follow me. Only people who understand that they need a Savior. That's the only person who can really follow me. In fact, your prerequisite for following Jesus is that you previously did not follow Jesus. (laughs) It's about that complicated. In fact, if you feel disqualified from following Jesus, if you feel inadequate when it comes to following Jesus, then you're a prime candidate. Congratulations. I say that because of this. I know that many of you in this room, those of you, uh, many of you watching online, many of you have been told that no one will ever love you. You've been told that you'll never amount to anything. You've been told that y- you can't belong. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. That is a lie. God loves you. God says you can amount to something. God says you can belong to his family. And yes, maybe you are a sinner, yes, but that's exactly who he came for. We do this in the world, uh, the world does this, the church does this. So, so many times we, you can't do that because. I remember several years ago talking with someone and I was telling them about uh, th- this young person who felt called to go into ministry and they started preaching and their response to me was, well, they gone to, have they gone to seminary? They can't preach unless they go to seminary. Really? 
Where's the chapter and verse on that? Do you know the Greek word for seminary? I'll tell you how to pronounce it. The Greek word for seminary is whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Listen, I have four degrees in the Bible. I'm for seminary. That's not my issue. The question is, are you called, though? Not did you get educated. Are you called? Do you hear Jesus' call and you step out like Matthew did and you follow him wherever that leads you and whatever it is he calls you to do? Same thing with leading worship or leading a Bible study or serving in some way or going on a mission trip. If you had to have a degree in missions to go on a mission trip, nobody would ever go. And the question is, is do you see that I need a Savior? And do you hear him say to you, come follow me. Come follow me. That's what it takes. So only sinners get to do this, by the way. Only sinners. The second lesson that he teaches us is that following him, following Jesus takes urgency. It takes urgency. Matthew chapter 8, let's go back a chapter. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 22, it says this. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Verse 19 says, Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 20, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now listen, if I'm sitting there listening to this conversation and a man walks up to Jesus and says, I'll follow you wherever you go, and Jesus replies, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, I'm probably sitting there going, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> Anybody else with me? Or do y'all have it figured out? Good. Verse 21, another disciple said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the, the dead bury their own dead. Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. If I'm sitting there and I'm listening to that conversation, I'm going, Jesus, that sounds a little harsh. But notice what Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching them about urgency. The first guy comes up and he says, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What he's communicating to him is, if you're going to follow me, there's no such thing as settling in. If you're really going to follow me, there's no such place as settling in. We're going to be on the move. Remember, people there are seeing miracle after miracle. Jesus is moving from town to town. He's on the move. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you need to know there's no such thing as settling in. We use a different phrase today. Matter of fact, finish this sentence for me. Are you ready? I am set in my ways. That's right. We all use that phrase about different things. What Jesus is saying is there is no such thing as set in your ways when it comes to following me. No such thing. Because he is on the move and you never know where he's going to lead you. The second man comes up and he says, I'll follow you, but, but, but Lord, let me go bury my father first. Now, what we read into the text there is we assume that the man's father is already dead. Technically, the text does not tell us that. You see, Jewish boys are taught from a very young age that one of your greatest privileges in life is to bury your father, is to honor him and help preside over his funeral. And so one of the things I think this text is saying, what this man is saying to Jesus, is that soon my father is going to die. And let me handle that. Let me settle that. And then whenever I'm in a different stage of life, after I've taken care of that, I'll come and follow you. Again, we say the same thing all the time. 
We say the same thing all the time. We say, well, well, at least growing up, for me, it was, you know, you go off to college and you sow your wild oats, you know, and that kind of thing. You say, when I get married, I'll settle down and start going to church and follow Jesus, right? And then you get married and you're, you realize that that's harder than what you thought and you're getting settled in your new career. And you say, well, whenever we have kids, whenever we have kids, then we'll settle down, we'll go to church, we'll follow Jesus, we'll serve. And then you, you, know, you hit the terrible twos or threes or terrible decade, whatever it is. You, know? you realize that's harder than you thought. And you think, well, when they get a little older and things settle down, settle down, you know, then we'll, you know, they, when they can drive, and it, then we'll follow Jesus and, you know, and you realize that's hard too. And well, when they leave the house, or well, whenever I get settled in this new job, or, or whenever I retire, and we just, all the time we say, we're always forecasting to the next season of life. And when things settle down in my life, that's what this man is telling Jesus, then I will come follow you. Can I tell you that the greatest enemy to urgency is the illusion of settledness? I don't know if you know this or not, or notice this or not, but every season of life has its own issues. Every season does. And sometimes the greatest enemy to urgency in following Jesus is this illusion to this utopia out there of settledness. In fact, there's a Bible verse that I would really encourage you to commit to memory. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, Solomon gives us a parable. He says this, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. He says, If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Do you see what he's saying there? Farmers who wait for perfect weather, for ideal conditions, they're never going to plant. If you just watch every little cloud that goes by, you're never going to harvest. It's the same thing that Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 8. The same thing. If you just wait for ideal conditions where everything's just right and everything's settled in your life, you're never going to follow. You're never going to follow. That's why it takes urgency. It takes urgency. Only sinners can do this, not those who think they're righteous. Only sinners can really follow Jesus, those who know they need a Savior. But when, as you are following, it takes urgency in following him. There is no settling in out there. That's an illusion that we look for. And also, there's no such thing as ideal conditions to follow him. It, they're never going to happen, never going to happen. There has to be a sense of urgency in following him. The third thing that Jesus teaches us is that you have to see the big picture. You have to see the big picture to follow Jesus and see what he's doing over time as he's bringing the kingdom to come on earth as in heaven, as this kingdom is breaking out. Remember what he's doing. Miracle after miracle after miracle, all instantaneous. And while these miracles are going on, Jesus pauses and he teaches us this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17. It says, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is, that, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with him? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, meaning he will return to where God is, and they, then they will fast. And then he gives them this teaching. Verse 16, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth 
on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Verse 17, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. What Jesus is saying here to the first hearers and us, there are many applications of this, but one of the things he is saying is you've got to see the big picture. So many times in life, we want quick fixes to problems. We just want things fixed quick. We live in a very microwave society. Fix it quick. We, we say, oh, there's an old garment, patch it. There's a wine skin, it needs to be filled, fill it. Do it fast, quickly. Jesus says, sometimes you need to wait and let the patch shrink so you can actually use it. Sometimes you need to take the time to make a new wine skin so you can put new wine into it. And one of the things that Jesus is saying here, in order to see the big picture, is that you have to be mature. Only mature people can, be, can see the big picture. You see, immature people want things fixed fast, and they're impatient. Mature people understand that sometimes what God is doing, it takes time. It takes time. And so they are patient. And can I just ask you, please, please hear me out on this one. We have a southern saying that I think actually does a lot of damage. And that southern saying is, never pray for patience. Don't pray for patience, because God will give it to you. I grew up with that saying. Anybody else grow up with that saying? Yeah. Do you realize that patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit? That's like saying, don't pray for love. Don't pray for joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Don't pray for kindness. Don't pray for gentleness. That's saying the same thing. Part of us maturing as people is patience. Part of walking in the Spirit is the ability to be patient. Remember, Jesus is on the move here. You see the tension of what he's teaching. He says it takes urgency on one hand, but also you have to be patient on the other. It takes urgency, but you also have to be patient. And matter of fact, your ability to handle and facilitate what God is doing and the changes that come about with that, your ability to handle and facilitate change reveals your maturity. Oh, it does. Jesus is saying, I'm on the move. I'm doing a new thing. It, miracle after miracle, it's getting people's attention. And he's saying, you got to see the big picture, though of what's happening. I was talking with Pastor Neil this week. We may have been standing in this room, and, and Pastor Neil said, he quoted Isaiah, where, Isaiah, where God said through Isaiah, I'm gonna do a new thing in your day. I believe God's doing a new thing here at this church. We're seeing it everywhere. I've been with you 30 weeks, and 30 weeks we've seen 33 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. That's a new thing, yeah. We're baptizing three in the next service. God is doing a new thing in kids' ministry. God is doing a new thing in student ministry. God is doing a new thing in our worship ministry. God is doing a new thing in our Sunday school classes and our small group ministry. God is doing a new thing. And yes, there's urgency behind that, but at the same time, we have to be patient. Let God work and let God move. We have to see the big picture. Now, you may be sitting there going, well, Chris, what exactly is the big picture? That's a really good question. Jesus tells us what it is. 
toward the end of his teaching in Matthew chapter 9. It says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Not my harvest field, not your harvest field, not our harvest field, his harvest field. You see, point number four is this. Yes, only sinners can do this. It takes urgency, but you also have to see the big picture. But if you're going to follow Jesus, following Jesus always leads you to reaching others. It will always lead you to reaching others. The harvest is the goal. That is the big picture. And one of the things that Matthew is teaching us, so many times we just say, I just want to go to heaven one day. I don't know if God's trying to get you to go to heaven one day as much as he is right now trying to get heaven in you, right now. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven right here, right now. And the question is, is that part of heaven living in you, is it shareable? Are you sharing it with other people? If you're a Christian, the question is not, are you going to heaven one day? You're going to heaven one day. The question is, who's going with you? Who do you get to take with you? And when it comes to following Jesus, only sinners can do this. You have to live with a sense of urgency. At the same time, you have to see the big picture of what God is doing. But ultimately, it's about praying for, working for, living into the harvest, helping other people follow him. And along the way, along the way, I believe God does amazing miracles. It's amazing. And miracle after miracle, every one that he does serves as a way for him to get our attention so that we know what it takes to really follow him. Because as, as we've already said this morning in different ways, Neil said it in the last service, the greatest miracle of all, of all is someone coming into the kingdom for the very first time. I really believe for the kingdom to come, God's kingdom to come on earth as in heaven. We have to realize that only sinners can do this. It takes urgency. We have to see the big picture. And everything we do is about bringing people into a relationship with him. Everything. That's what it's all about. And along the way, we just stand white-knuckled, hanging on to the ride as God does miracle after miracle around us. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know what you need this morning. I don't know where you are. Maybe you say, Chris, I've never said yes to following him. You need to do that. It starts there. I promise you, you qualify. Maybe you're saying, Chris, I've lost my sense of urgency about following Jesus and serving Jesus. You can get that back. Maybe you're saying, Chris, I don't see the big picture. I get caught up in little bitty things along the way. I, I, I get caught up in all the small arguments and the gossip and the slander out there, and I've lost the big picture. You can regain it. Or maybe you say, Chris, I've been a Christian for a long time, 
but I've never focused on helping others follow Christ. You can. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need God to do something miraculous in your life. We believe he can. We believe he can. That's why after every service that we have, we always have people available to pray because we believe in miracles. Wherever you are right now, whatever's going on in your life, my prayer is that you'd let the Holy Spirit speak to you and that you would just be obedient and follow whatever he tells you to do. Amen? Father, I thank you so much. We believe. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. And Lord, while you do miracles all around us, and even right now for those who are in this room or watching online, they need a miracle in their life, we pray that you would do it. And Lord, I pray the ultimate result would be that you get our attention and you teach us once again what it really takes to follow you. Lord, help us do that. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit right now is moving and you're speaking to each and every one of us. May we receive what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said...